You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And without further ado, smiling in his patient little way as he sits there on the other side of the desk, good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zab. How are you? Great. Had to go to the... Cage County Fair and Rodeo last week, and uh, it's, I always love fair and rodeo time. You run into people you haven't seen for a long time, and you did hurt my feelings fun. this morning, though. Again, uh, still, <laughs> still. <laughs> but you walked in the door, so you know, elegant and and knowing and kind of arrogant. But where is my Muslim? My my, my Muslim. <laughs> you where can't even my- say it. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my maple bar with bacon? With bacon. Oh, Zeb, I, you know, I thought about that, and as I was sitting at the rodeo, I thought, yeah. Well, we had maple bars. But we no, had good times. We did. A lot we of fun out there times. at that rodeo. Yep, yep. it was. Yeah. But I miss, you're the one that introduced me to the maple bar with the uh, bacon, bacon on it. Oh, yeah. And I never will forget the night you brought that entire box of about maybe 15 or 16 in a box up into the announcer stand and all these bulldoggers and bareback riders and calf ropers and everything looking at that bacon on there and they kind of wrinkled their nose and it took one guy to reach in and get one maple bar and then next thing i knew the box was empty. it was gone yeah <laughs> well maybe next year I'll, I'll bring you one all right buddy. all right what are we going to talk about okay zeb we're going to go into something that i i'm kind of excited about you know several weeks ago i was in montpelier idaho went into a little museum that was had been a bank that was a bank that butch cassidy robbed and they've turned it into a little museum and i bought a book written by bill bentonson and that is Butch Cassidy's great nephew. Oh, really? Yeah. So where does he live? I'm not sure where he lives, but he doesn't it say that in the book? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like in the back page or something where they talk about the author uh, on the inside. I don't know. Oh. I'll have to check that out. It'd be anyway, nice to have him come on the air. You know, it would. Uh, so we're going to do two, maybe three sessions on Butch Cassidy because I've great. gone through this book and there's a lot here. That I that I want to talk about because I think everybody's heard of Butch Cassidy. Yeah, almost everybody. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and you know Robert Redford and uh, what's the name Paul Newman. Yeah. So we're just going to start and we'll go as far as we can today, and we may not finish next week. We, but we're going to go from before he was born to after he may have been killed. Yeah, and the fact is, folks, he probably toured and traveled right through this part of the country. We're Many gonna, times. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to start the story of Robert Leroy Parker. That's Butch Cassidy's real name. Right. Robert Leroy Parker. Right. And he begins with his namesake and grandfather, whose name was Robert Parker. And he was born in England in 1820. This is the grandfather. Uh, Robert worked in a local textile factory. He met his wife, Annie, in a textile factory. They were married in 1843. 
And uh, they had five children were born to them. Now, the oldest one, his name was Maximilian, and they called him Maxie. He was born in 1844. Now, this is Butch Cassidy's dad. Oh, right? really? Oh. Maximilian is his dad. But uh, they had several other children. They had a, he had a, some sisters and a little brother named Arthur. Well, uh, the Parkers moved to a, a town in uh, England called Preston, and in Preston they prepared to immigrate to America. Now, by then, two of their children, two of the girls, had already died before they left. You know, uh, the mortality rate among kids was really, really high it was. years ago. Yeah. So, But anyway, so they prepared to leave England and come to America. Well, the Mormon church had instituted a what they called a handcart program in 1856 as a means to help their members make it to Salt Lake. So for those who don't know, a handcart is basically... It's like a box, maybe eight feet by eight feet, uh, with sides on it and two wheels, and you just pull and push. It kind of resembles, if you don't mind my interrupting here, uh, the old mine wagons they used to have to go into the mine shafts. Right. Just put a handle on it, and that's it. So that's what they put all their stuff in. Well, in 1856, the Parkers boarded the ship called the Enoch Train at Liverpool, set sail the next day. Uh, the ship arrived in Boston on May 1st of that year. The Parkers boarded a train in New York City for Iowa City. Eleven days later, the tra- train arrived in Iowa City, and they waited nearly a month while uh, workers finished the construction of the handcarts, and they finally left June 11th, 1856. So that was a good time to leave before the weather turned too bad what later. What was the sea travel time again? Uh, that was ten days. Ten days back yeah. in those That's not bad uh, 11 at all. Day, well, Eleven yeah. days. Uh, wait a minute. No, I'm not sure how many days it took him to get over on the okay. ship. But it was 11 days by train oh to my. get over there. Anyway, so they started out, and Robert, uh, this is, again, Butch's grandfather, pulled the handcart, while Maxie, Butch's dad, who by then, he was 12 years old, okay, and he helped push, and his mother helped push the handcart. Now, I told you he had a little brother named Arthur, okay? Well, as they were going along, little Arthur sat down to rest uh, in a day, and he became separated from the group, from the travelers, all right? And they started questioning, and nobody knew where Arthur was. They couldn't find him. Well... Uh, the the wagon train, they had to keep going. They couldn't wait. So uh, Arthur's dad, uh, Maximilian's dad, uh, said, okay, I'm going to go back and see if I can find him. They, they took off. So uh, his wife, Anne, gave him a red shawl, and she said, uh, if you find him dead, then bury him in this shawl. If he, you find him alive, when you catch up with us, then wave the, this red shawl at us. Well, so he went back looking for the little boy, maybe five or six years old. And Anne, his wife, started to pull the hind cart with the help of the kids. Well, she'd almost given up hope, and finally, over the horizon, she saw a man in the distance. She could see that he held a red shawl in his arms, and she saw that he was carrying little Arthur in his arms. Now, this is a little boy, five, six years old, that was left out I, that's where I've got a bunch of questions. I mean, you, how do you lose or forget about a little five? Well, or I don't think they forgot. Boy? I think he just, you know, there's a lot of people, and I think a lot of times they thought, well, he's with this family or that family, or you know, I, I can see that it could happen. But anyway, uh, in one of the Pioneer journals, it, it records it said Robert Parker came into camp with this little boy that had been lost. 
great joy throughout the camp. The mother's joy I cannot describe. So anyway, Robert uh, uh, recounted that on the second day of his search, he'd come to a trading post where he learned that a woodcutter had found a little boy that was hungry and cold. The woodcutter and his wife had cared for the boy and taken care of him, and uh, that's where uh, he found him with this woodcutter and his wife. Well, what state was that in, or what area? Back in Iowa, I believe. Iowa. But anyway, uh, so the Parkers continued on the journey. They got into Nebraska in eight, uh, July 17th, 1856. And, you know, a lot of times across there, there wasn't much vegetation or wildlife. No. So things could get hungry. But as the company neared Fort Laramie, Robert started having trouble with his feet, uh, sore feet and infected. And again, you know, he's walking and pushing this handcart. Well, he got so bad that uh, uh, he was forced to ride in a wagon, and so Anne and the children were left to pull the handcart. Well, they finally got into the Salt Lake Valley in 1856, September 27th, and they moved on down south to Beaver City, Utah. You know where that is. Mm-hmm. And they, the first winter, they actually lived in a dugout. Now, keep in mind, folks, this is Butch Cassidy's grandparents, okay, and his dad, Maximilian. Well, a little later, in 1865, they moved down to Washington, Utah, which is just a little farther south. Yeah. So down right by St. George. Yeah, right by St. George. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Maximilian, the father of Robert Leroy Parker, in other words, Butch, uh, had grown to manhood at age 18. He got married, and he married a gal by the name of Annie. And in 1865... Uh, Maxie, Maximilian, actually, actually served in the uh, Utah Indian Black Hawk, Black Hawk War. Oh, really? So he fought. So That was Butch's granddad. No, this is Butch's dad. Oh, I'm sorry. His dad. Yeah. So now Arthur Parker, the, one, the little boy that had been lost. Yeah. Okay, now he's grown up. He's about 17. Now, he decided with another uh, young man to go to California to work, and he was never heard from again. Really? The little boy that was rescued. Part of their wagon was found burned, and it was assumed they'd been killed by Indians. Oh, my. So that was, that was the end there. Wow. Anyway, you know, Annie, uh, Max's wife, Maxie's wife, was a devout Christian. She loved her family. She had 13 children, of which, like I say, uh, Butch was the oldest. Okay? But, you know, as time went on, she came to find out that two of her sons were outlaws, one of which was Butch. So, What created that? I think we'll get to that. Oh, okay. we'll, we'll talk about that. So, again, their first child was born, this may be significant, Friday the 13th. Oh, boy. Butch Cassidy in, yeah. in Beaver, Utah. He was named Robert Leroy Parker after two of his grandfathers. Okay. Now, only nine days after little Robert's birth, his father, Maximilian, was, again, fighting in this Utah uh, Black Hawk War. So, Robert's first 13 years were in Beaver City. He grew up in a pretty happy home. Uh, His sisters and brothers called him Bob. I mean, you know, Robert, they would call him Bob. I don't want people to get confused. We're talking about Butch, Robert Leroy, or Bob. This is all the same guy. But uh, he really loved his mother. He adored his mother. And he loved his younger siblings. They looked up to him. And Bob's next younger brother, Dan, was really, really uh, looked up to, to Butch and wanted to do everything that Butch did, which may not have been a good thing. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> so now, you know, some people think of uh, that as being a lot of hard work, and it was, but they had some fun, too. Uh, the Parker youngsters uh, got hold of some of the neighbor's wine, and they put it in the pans for the chickens. 
Uh-oh. When Mother came home from town... This is a foul story. Oh, oh thanks, Jeff. <laughs> when Mother came home, all the chickens were reeling around and acting a little funny. Man. <laughs> so, drunk chickens. You ever heard of that? I have. Yeah, now. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, Big Brother Butch, or Bob, like I say, he loved children, and he always made a big thing over them, and whether they were family or neighbors, and... There was always room on his horse for as many as he could get on his horse. And if there were, they were little, he'd put them all on and lead the horse around. Now, doesn't that just sound like a good big brother it and does. just a good young man? Yeah. So, anyway, Maxie and Annie tried to teach their children to uphold Christian values while still having a good time. Now, the Parkers were poor, and because of the growing Parker family, Robert, or Butch, hired on at a local ranch to earn money for the family. And it was said that he was a good, steady boy that you could depend on. He was a hard worker. Was he about 20 years old? No, he's about 18, uh, 16, actually. I see. So Robert uh, was 16 when he worked on a ranch called the Jim Marshall Ranch. And I don't know that that's even still in existence. But anyway, at this time, here he is, 16. A small-time outlaw named Mike Cassidy drifted into the area, started working on the Marshall Ranch, Robert, or Butch, immediately took a liking to this Mike Cassidy, and Mike gave Robert a pistol, taught him how to use it, and educated him in the finer points of rustling cattle and creative branding. Uh-oh. So you know what that means. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so the mother, uh, she could see that uh, Butch admired this Mike Cassidy, and this was not a good path to head down. So, and it's been said that once a person is into the game, if you want to call it that, it's hard to get out. So Butch got further into the game, which led to his leaving his home, leaving home at about age 18 in, this is now 1884. Mm-hmm. Now, when Robert Leroy Parker left home in 1884, he headed east, and uh, for the next five years, he kind of drifted from ranch to ranch in Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, and his name shows up in uh, several historic accounts. So... But everything I've read about him, he was a hard worker. When he went to work for a rancher, they loved him. He was a good uh, bronc rider, a good worker, good with cows, all that. So, 1889, okay, Robert arrived in Telluride, Colorado. You've been there, probably. Yep, I have. So, he got a job packing ore from the mine down the mountain to the mill on mules. Now, the work was really hard. It was demanding, but he enjoyed it. He quickly uh, learned how to skillfully put the packs on the mules. And you know, Zeb, if you don't pack a mule or a horse right, you got a disaster. Trouble in River City. Yeah. Now, at this point, Parker soon met another Utah cowboy named Matt Warner. Okay? Now, I don't know if you've heard of him, but Matt was making the rounds in western Colorado, and he was racing his horse named Betty. Okay, he had a really fast horse. His horse name was uh, Betty. Betty. Okay, I, I agree. It couldn't have been anything but Betty. Betty. Yeah, so anyway, he came into town, and uh, uh, Butch met him, and he says he's going to race this particular horse. And yeah. Butch said, you know, you're going to get beat. He said, this, uh, this horse we have here, it's going to beat Betty. And uh, Matt Warner said, well, put your money where your mouth is. So Butch... (laughs) Betty the Bay Bomber. (laughs) Butch made the mistake of saying, you know what? I'm going to put all my gear up against yours that we're going to win. His saddle, his bridle, his everything. And guess what? Butch lost. lost. (laughs) Well, 
Matt actually convinced uh, Bush to become a partner in future races. Uh, they became friends, and Matt related that the two rode all over southwestern Colorado racing Betty and making lots of money while having a pretty good time at that uh-huh. age. Uh-huh. Now, Matt had a brother-in-law who was a seasoned outlaw named Tom McCarty. Oh, and I've you've heard, heard that name. And you've heard that name. Yeah. Now, Matt reported that they ran into Tom McCarty in Cortez, Colorado, and Tom had a, quote, cabin hideout. And uh, one day they were at Tom's cabin when they were kind of restless. The day was dull. Didn't have anything to do. They, they planned a bank robbery. Uh-oh. So here we go. So Matt actually wrote, he said, quote, Our plans were accordingly laid very carefully to go to a certain bank and relieve the cashier of his ready cash. They'd have been better off planning a fishing trip. <laughs> oh, they, they were good at this. So here we go. June 24th, 1889, Tom McCarty, Matt Warner, and Butch Parker, Butch Cassidy, robbed the San Miguel Valley Bank of approximately $21,000. And back then... That was a lot of wow. money. Yeah. Anyway, the trio had come to Telluride three days earlier to case the bank and visit the local saloons. Uh, Tom McCarty wrote, and I, I like this because there's some quotations from these guys. Really? Here's what Tom McCarty said, quote, About 11 o'clock in the, in the forenoon, we quietly rode our horses up to the bank. Matt said that Tom stayed outside and held the horses, while Matt and Butch went into the bank to rob it. Only the cashier, a guy by the name of Hyde, was in the bank at the time. Matt immediately shoved his gun in the cashier's face, and Butch jumped behind the cage, quickly filled sacks with money and gold from the counter and the vault, and Tom explained, after the money was in our possession, we bid the banker to stay inside and keep quiet, or he would pay the penalty. Mm-hmm. So that was the only person in there. Uh, may I ask a question sure. here? You refer to both uh, names uh, as Bob or Robert Parker, yeah. and then you Butch. say Butch. When was the assumption of the name Butch okay. Cassidy? I, you know, I it'll come, but I, oh, okay. I'm trying to try. <laughs> well, you had me confused. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. So Robert... Leroy Parker, alias Butch Bob Cassidy. and Butch. Yeah. Yes, okay. So anyway, now apparently they had made a deal with the town marshal ahead of time to conveniently be out of town. Oh, so they bribed the the sheriff. Yeah, yeah. And this is where they uh, had the the technique of arranging for relays of fresh horses along the route. And that's how they got away time after time by buying horses and having them ready to go. At, I'm going to say maybe four or five miles between. Wow. So the po- posses could not keep up with them. Yeah. Well, anyway, stories exist within the family that some of uh, Butch's, uh, Robert's other brothers assisted him in some of the robberies. And one story is that one brother wanted to join the gang, and Robert told him that he was too slow and stupid to be an outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, this insult was Robert's way of protecting his siblings from a dangerous life. <laughs> You're dumb and stupid. Don't, don't come with us. Yeah, really. Okay, so now we're 1889. Okay. It's a cold, windy Friday afternoon, December 20th, 1889, near Bags, Wyoming. Have you ever oh, been there? Oh, that's cold. Yeah, it is. You don't go to Bags, Wyoming in the wintertime. Yeah. He okay. did. He did. Well, actually not, but oh. we'll get to that. Two men, two men dressed in disguises. Now, get this, Zeb. It included a mustache and whiskers made from buffalo rope and held in place with a string. <laughs> Uh, well, you got to give them credit for trying. <laughs> I could just imagine this, you know, whiskers and mustache made out of string. And anyway, 
So they held up the Dixon to Rollins stage, and the stage was carrying the U.S. mail. Well, the younger bandit later identified as Dan Parker, Butch's younger brother, a year younger than oh. Butch. Well, and this was kind of a bad deal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Dan Parker and a buddy of his name, William Brown, were found guilty of robbing the U.S. mail, which was terrible capital crime. Oh. So the judge had no choice but to sentence the two to life in prison. Okay, so this is Butch's younger brother. Yeah, by a year. Okay. Yeah, Dan. So the life sentence was a result of robbing the U.S. mail with the use of deadly weapons and putting the life of people in jeopardy. So imprisonment with hard labor was that's for his natural life. Yeah. Now, on a better note, he didn't spend the rest of his life in jail. And he actually came out and straightened up his life later. Really? Yeah. So, uh, but like say, Butch's mother and Dan's mother, they were, she was not happy having two sons in jail and outlaws. So, oh man, we're out of time. I know, it, it's interesting, but I got to ask you: Did the family stay in that area of uh, Beaver, Utah? Yeah, and Circleville and Washington and St. George—that whole that, really that southern area. Yeah. I didn't know that. But that went fast. Ed. We're we're yeah. going to have at least two more sessions. I'm going to. What say. are we going to talk about next week with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? <laughs> we are going to go into the the robberies that he did. Butch Cassidy. Yes. Okay. And at that point, we may have to go to the third episode where his years in South America. Real quick, though, the assumption of the name. I really want that explained because I never did pick up on how he did. He challenge that last name of Mike Cassidy, one yes. of his partners. Yeah, he named himself after this boyhood idol, idol. Mike Cassidy. Where did he come up with Butch? That's a good question. I don't know, but he liked the name Mike, or he liked the name Cassidy. Like I say, he was the guy that kind of tutored him oh. in the ways of the outlaw. Okay. So that's where it came from. I see. Boy, this is interesting. Well, you've done another good job. I've gone through this whole. Look, you ought to see this, this book, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is dog-eared. It's highlighted. It is wrinkled. It is ripped. And this man, when he studies, he makes it a passionate affair. <laughs> I want everybody to know all about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hey, I appreciate you coming by this you morning bet. with us. That, really, a good story. And then the ultimate ending would be naturally kind of a cliffhanger. Did he? We are not going to say. No, no. But oh, did right. he die in Bolivia, that, as people think? That's what we're not going to say. I know. Uh, you're going to have to wait. I can't. <laughs> you're going to have to. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.